Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the college admissions process podcast. I am your host, John Durante. And I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insights straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions, regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given podcast episode You should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, everyone, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am John Durante, your host, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today to Kate Anderson, who is the Assistant Director of Admissions at SUNY Oswego. Kate, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? Thanks so much. Thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate it. So let's get right to it. Why don't we start, Kate, by asking you to tell us about yourself. How long have you been an admissions counselor, and how did you end up in this position? Well, uh, round one or round two, because I've actually had two different careers (laughs) in admissions, the first being uh, working for law schools. So I've seen many, many colleges, mostly. uh, I was associate director of admissions at Columbia Law School, and then moved, and so left. And how I found myself back in or in college admissions is I was looking at schools with my middle son. So I have been on both sides of this desk, but we were at a presentation actually at Hobart William Smith, and I was in the audience and I had this moment thinking, wait, that used to be, I miss this so much. I love admissions. <laughs> I want to help students find that right school fit. And so I uh, ended up learning that uh, there are these regional admissions people in in college admissions that didn't exist in law schools uh, where you could cover you could live in a different location than the school you work for and uh, and cover that territory so first i was at geneseo which was a part-time position but i wanted to do this full-time and the position came up at oswego and i've been there since 2017. That's fantastic, and I know that they're very lucky to have you, as are we, to have you this morning on the podcast, so thank you again. So what is it about Oswego that makes it appealing for so many students to want to apply? Well, first of all, the the SUNY system is fantastic. You know, the State University of New York system has 64 campuses. It's a great system. Uh, Oswego is one of the original SUNYs, but SUNY goes back to 1948, and actually Oswego goes back to 1861. So some wow. people don't realize that that's a lot of the SUNYs are, are much you know older. Uh, I what I think is really great. I always think about you know the story of Goldilocks, like and this <laughs> one's too big and this one's too small and this one's just right. I feel like Oswego's in that sweet spot in the middle. 
Now, some people may want a really small school, some people may want a big school, and so you've got to do what's right for you. But I think we have this great mix where we can offer so much because we've got 6,700 undergraduates and about 1,000 graduate students. Um, but it's also not so big. You know, you, you know people, you know your professors, you're taught by professors. The average class size is 24. So you really have this very personal experience in college. Well, thank you for that introduction. Much appreciated. So how many applications do you review a year and which region do you represent? So I cover Long Island, so Nassau and Suffolk County. For Oswego, that's about 17% of our students usually. Wow. Uh, you have a lot of schools upstate and you'll have a lot of great students downstate. We'll get about 14,000 applications a year. I read most of the Long Island ones, but you know, some of my colleagues read them too. Um, so, I mean, we read a lot. There's that reading season. <laughs> um, but I mostly am responsible for Long Island. Fantastic. Can you walk us through the process of how you evaluate so many applications? Are there, for example, teams of people representing different regions? If so, how many applications is each group reviewing? People always ask me about the actual application evaluation process. So any insight you could provide, Kate, would be truly appreciated. It's an excellent question because it really is done differently at different schools. Um, some schools review only by committee. Some people have individual decisions. Some people have every application read by at least two people. So, so it depends. Um, we, we mostly, uh, individual counselors will make decisions, but we do have committee reviews. So when there are applications that we're not you know, sure about, we'll discuss them as a group. Of course, the final decision would, would rest with a, a director of admissions. Um, so, you know, that's really how it's done at Oswego. Um, and we use a holistic application review process, which I'm sure you hear about a lot. Um, but, you know, the people know the components of the application. They don't always know the relative importance or, you know, what, what they can do to really sort of maximize, uh, you know, or strengthen each one. But in terms of people always ask me, do you really read them? <laughs> and really do, you know, do you read those? And every single piece uh, is important. You learn to read quickly. You don't have very much time. You know, if people right. think we spend 30 minutes on, on an application. I wish we could. We'd never sleep. <laughs> um, which is why it's fine if a letter of recommendation has bullet points. You know, just give me right. the meat. Um, but... You know, you'd, you'd spend, a, you know, what do you have, five to seven minutes on an application generally? Well, we appreciate that insight. And you're right. It is different in every school. And so many parents and students are just so curious about what is it exactly that happens behind the scenes. So, again, we appreciate that. How is that. the sausage made? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so what is the average profile of the current freshman class in terms, of course, of their GPA and any other related data you collect, such as um, SAT or ACT scores? Mm -hmm. Well, we went test optional for the first time last year. I, um, I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Uh, but our, our this year's entering class, our median grade point average was a 91. On the SAT, the median was an 1190, and the median on the ACT was a 26. Now, this is important to to sort of focus on for a minute because we had a jump in our test scores this year. Right. So historically, at us, we go our median ACT. So that's the point at which half the students are below that and half the students are above it. Our median ACT is generally a 24. And on the SAT, it'd be around an 1150. 
So all of a sudden it jumped. So so for families out there, don't freak out. <laughs> go look historically. Go back another year and see because so we went from 1150 to 1190, 24 to 26. We didn't become suddenly more selective. We were you know pretty much who we are. Uh, but but who sent us scores? That was self-selective, right? Sure. Only the students. The students who sent scores were, were happy with their scores and knew that their scores would help them. So there was this sort of jump. But it's important for students and families when you're looking at like likely schools or reach schools, look at that 25th to 75th percentile. So, you know, 1120 to 1250 might be your SAT range generally, you know, 22 to 27, 86 to 92, you know, that. So if you're in that bot, if you're below the 25th percentile, it's a bit of a, you know, you got to have something special that sort of probably overcomes that. Uh, but there's certainly, look, 25% of the students are in that range. It's not impossible. So that's actually a great segue into the next question, which is if a prospective student falls a little below the current freshman class average, what are some of the things they can do to increase their chances or to make their application look more appealing to you? Yeah, I mean... Remembering number one, as I just said, these are not cutoffs. You know, they're ranges, and, right. and we're looking at individuals, their strengths, their stories. Uh, that, you know, when we look at a transcript, we look at the trend of grades over time. So, so the grades could have really look. COVID was hard. You know, people's grades suffered. We understand that. So, uh, you're looking for that contextual information that helps you put these numbers in perspective. You know, you don't admissions has a lot of numbers, but we don't just use numbers. It, that wouldn't be good, right? <laughs> you get a very narrow band of, of, of students. So we are looking at all of that contextual information. So if you're a little bit below, what can you do? Some schools count demonstrated interest. For me, it matters, uh, you know, did a student, you don't have to come all the way to Oswego. We know that may not be easy since we're, it's lovely. We're on the shores of Lake Ontario, just north of, you know, come, come. Um, best sunset ever. But, um, you know, not everyone can do that. But but since COVID, we have so many virtual presentations, so many ways that you can connect. So demonstrating interest is one thing. Making sure that other aspects of the application are you know, writing your best possible essay or, or essays. We only have one essay, but some people have supplemental essays. Asking the right people to write your letters of recommendation, um, you know, strong performance, senior year or taking those tests again. I mean, there's a limit to standardized tests. You know, you don't want to take these four times, but, you know, taking them two, maybe three times is, is reasonable. So look at what you can still control, what is within your power, and focus on those elements. Well, that's great advice, Kate. Again, thank you so much. I know Oswego is test optional. However, I was curious, does leaving out the test scores have an effect on financial aid awards on the merit-based side? I understand that need-based financial aid, of course, is the FAFSA form and CSS yep. profile where applicable, but I'm wondering if there's a disadvantage in terms of getting merit-based scholarships if a school like Oswego is test optional. It's a great question and one that we get a lot. Yes, we use the FAFSA and also, um, you know, students apply for TAP, the Tuition Assistance Program in New yes. York State. Uh, at Oswego, all applicants are considered for merit scholarships. And, you know, more than 40% of our students do, do get one. So sometimes people think state schools don't give scholarships because, look, our tuition for an entire, all the four-year SUNYs this year, $7,070. Wow. Which, as tuition goes, is incredible, right? What a bargain. 
Um, but on top of that, we do have merit scholarship money. A student can get our highest merit scholarship at Oswego, which is called our presidential scholarship, without standardized test scores. But I would say it's a little bit of a seesaw. So we're looking at your unweighted grades in the core courses. So to get our presidential scholarship, you really have to be solidly in the high 90s. But let's say you had a really strong test score, you could be maybe in the mid 90s and get right. that highest scholarship. So all things are possible. But again, to, to really do this process right and to maximize your chances, you know, why not try to take these tests? Why did we become test optional? Because people couldn't during COVID. You know, you couldn't require something that someone couldn't provide easily. And I think the move to test optional is excellent because there's some really brilliant people out there who don't do well on standardized tests. So I'm happy to see us move away from it being required. And recently, a few weeks ago, SUNY announced that for fall of 2023, we'll also be test optional. So I'm happy about that. Uh, but again, do it. You have a good day. It could mean some extra money. So, so why not try it? Well, I think that's great advice. A lot of schools went test optional because of COVID. And so we couldn't take tests. But still do your best and take the test. And based on how the scores come out, you could choose students to submit it or not. That's the beauty of test optional. And what we're hearing through and through is that not submitting the scores doesn't necessarily put you at a disadvantage if you could show good work on your transcript in terms of the ramps that you built throughout your four years of high school. So that's a great conversation. Yeah, I, I think it's it's also important to talk to the schools. You know, some schools, if once you put those scores out there, you can't people can't unsee them right. and at other schools you can re you know, retract them so <laughs> you know have that conversation you know it's a good question and don't be afraid to reach out to a school and say this is you know i'm trying to figure out what to do here and see what advice they can give you sure and again that is great advice do you use the student's high school gpa as indicated on their transcript kate or do you recalculate the gpa using your own metrics if so, what do you look at from a student's academic record and how do you evaluate them? Another great question. I mean, without a doubt, the most important part of the application is the student's transcript. And there is that GPA, the student sees, they think they're this certain number, but I'm here to tell you, and I'm sure you've heard it before, most schools recalculate, most schools are not. So so what do you get at, at uh, SIOS at high school, for example, if you take an AP class? Is there a bump? Yeah, there's a bonus point. So how much is it, the bonus point? It's a half a letter grade basically in the GPA calculation. So it's so different. I ask this question at every, I go to every high school in Long Island and I always ask this question. My, my uh, own children went to Harbor Field. They got 115% boost. Wow. <laughs> so a 90 becomes 104.5. That's like 105. Woohoo. Uh, there are schools that don't have APs. There are schools that give you two points. There are schools that give you 105%, 110%. That's not apples to apples, right? So you need to get to a, a, a foundation where you, you feel comfortable comparing students from different schools and saying, you know, what are these, how do I compare these grades? So a lot of schools will recalculate at Oswego. We look at the unweighted grades in core courses. So that's English, math, social studies, science, and foreign language. Not that other courses aren't important. You know, if you're an art student, of course I care about your art grades, but everyone has those core courses. Now in New York State, you're not required to stick with math senior year, right? Or science or foreign language. So for us, they're sort of like, you know, bonus points. Did you stick with, we'd like to see 12 high school units 
in those areas in, in math and foreign language and science here. And look, if you, if you actually have four years of um, high school foreign language and remember that middle school could come through as a unit, you don't have to take a foreign language at Oswego. So sometimes sticking with it one more year might be a real benefit, right? So, sure. so that's one thing. So we're looking at, you know, what courses did you take? Did you challenge yourself? So we look at the trend of grades over time. Did ninth grade start out shaky? Well, that's better than really tanking junior year. <laughs> that's closer to the student you'll be when you go to college. So we are recalculating. We're looking at the trends. We're looking at the rigor of curriculum and sort of, you know, reworking and get at a, at a new number, which could be a, a different number than what the student thinks he or she has. Of course. And again, thank you for that explanation. And you're right. Many schools do use a different metric. They take the GPA on the high school transcript as a baseline, but certainly for all the reasons that you mentioned, a lot of times they'll calculate their own. How important are students' grades in senior year? And can you give an example of why a student's senior year grades made you change your mind regarding their admission status? I am here to say senior grades matter. Senior, we, you know, <laughs> most colleges make the decision based on your grade point average at the end of your junior year. So most people are done, right? So, but, and we see the courses that you've signed up for senior year. Uh, a little aside, but I think it's important. I read an application last year where the, a student was taking four APs senior year. And I was like, wow, that's that's impressive. Great. You know, look, and you get a three, four or five on an AP, you go to a SUNY, that comes in as college credit. So good for you. So I, in that instance, requested senior grades because I wasn't sure. I This person was sort of on the bubble. I needed to, to see what the most current performance was. Well, come to get the first quarter grades, they weren't taking any APs and hadn't wow. notified us. So that you know, that makes you scratch your head a little bit. Um, but play this out differently. Like, let's say that student had really great grades their first quarter and were taking four APs. It's probably what's going to push them. They were on the bubble. It's going to push them into the yes pile because they're strong, showing strong performance senior year. So senior grades matter. Senior course selection matters. If there's a change, it's probably not a big deal. But let schools know if you've, if you've dropped a class or subbed out a class or whatever it is you've done. Um, remember that a school has the right at the end of senior year uh, to rescind that offer of admission. It's something you hate to do, but every once in a while, if a student has really dropped the ball senior year, it is within a college's right to, to take away that offer of admission. So it's important to keep on you know, working hard because we may request those grades. And if you don't keep up you know, a reasonable level of performance, uh, that, that could be really tough news. Well, I really appreciate that insight. And so what you're saying is that there was a student whose work in progress for senior year showed very favorable courses for AP exams. It seemed like the person was challenging themselves, which is great and which is what students should do based on your ability. Keep building ramps and keep working towards eventually where you're going to be, which of course is in college. You were on the fence on whether or not that kid was going to be accepted. You requested the grades and then came to find out that they're, in they fact, not in the AP classes. And yeah. so obviously it didn't work in his favor. So I just wanted to repeat that story because a lot of times people think that they're done. Yeah. The, the colleges are just looking at the GPA till the end of junior year, and that's it. They definitely look, students, they definitely look at your courses in progress and in examples like Kate just explained, they could certainly ask for the grades 
and many schools do send out the mid-year reports regardless in terms of your grades. So keep working hard out there. Keep working hard. And thank you again. So there is something that um, we haven't really talked about the essay and students can write about whatever they want, but there is space on the common application and other applications to give us additional information. When I see student academic performance as a roller coaster ride or with ups and downs or, or something or some story there and I don't get that story, that is something that makes my job harder. So I always want to know. So when when the elephant in the room is that grades went down, you know, 10 points junior year and you're writing about a baseball game, what happened to your grades? I'm left wondering that. So make sure you don't leave any unanswered questions. Again, you don't have to write the essay about your grades, but if there are any questions, address that. Speak to your school counselor or whoever's writing your letter of recommendation. Explain what was going on. When we know that context, if I know that there was a, you know, a, a tough illness in your family or divorce or something going on, of course that would have an impact on your grades. Uh, but just make sure that we understand and and don't leave us scratching our heads and wondering what the answer is, why this is happening. I think that's great advice. That That is such great advice in terms of, again, if there's a dip in grades, for example, don't leave the questions unanswered, whether it's talking to your guidance counselor to ask them to include it in their letter, or if you include it in, whether it's your essay or one of the supplemental options, that is terrific advice. Don't leave any questions unanswered. Yeah. Thank you so much. And in terms of the college essays, what are some examples of college essays that really stuck out and that was so memorable to you? The essay is my favorite part of the application, and and I may not be the student's favorite part. It probably, you know, next to testing, it <laughs> has the most provokes the most anxiety. But this is really your chance to tell us who you are. Give us that window into your soul. What's your story? What makes you tick? What what wouldn't I know about you from some other part of the application? So a lot of a lot of essays are pretty unmemorable. They're right. they're fine and that's okay. You know, you know, not everyone's the next, you know, great American novelist. Um, <laughs> but everyone has a story. So just try imagine that someone's reading hundreds and hundreds of these, you know, just try to stand out a little bit. Every year I have my favorites. Every year I have my favorite, you know, typos. And remember, proofread, don't just spell check. And <laughs> maybe get some help with that. But uh, so last year, I think my favorite essay was a, a student uh, who whose first line talked about how envious she was of shrimp. And I really <laughs> had no idea where this was well, going. That but definitely was got your hooked. attention, right? It definitely got so, your attention. <laughs> yeah. I am so envious of shrimp. And it turns out this student was interested, she wanted art. And that shrimp eyes can evidently see 17 times the number of colors <laughs> as the human eye. And so she envied the shrimp's ability. And it was just such a great, and it told me that she's passionate about art. It told me that she had this, just, I love it when I learn something in an essay. Sure. So there I learned something about shrimp that day. Um, I've read really fun ones. Someone um, wrote one about her curly hair and how it really just was who she was. Um, another student he wrote about, he, he always wore striped shirts and, and it sort of explained why. Um, <laughs> someone's favorite children's book, an essay about uh, their shoes, the shoe size and how it corresponded with how they grew up and how their shoe styles changed. <laughs> Again, if you're getting, I just like the ones that are kind of a little out there. I think you're, you want to hook your reader. Um, a lot of them trail off. 
you do not need your last line to be, this is why I want to go to college. We know you want to go to college. You reply, I'm reading your college application. <laughs> uh, a lot of them end with, with uh, quotations. So I always say, don't let someone else have the last word. You know, we, we want to hear from you. We want you, the real you who's 17 or maybe 18. You don't need to have a thesaurus. A lot of times students seem to stick in these big words. So again, just make it sound like, you know, tell us your story. And it's okay to sound like you, who you are. That said, you're not texting me, so please capitalize I <laughs> and other conventions of mine. Because we are looking for this to be, you know, your strongest writing. College writing is is not something you do the night before, right? And every college has a writing center, and writing is an iterative process where you have a draft, and then you make another draft, and you and every time it gets a little better. At some point, you got to say you're done with it, and I know that's probably the big stress with the college essay. When are you done? Um, but those prompts are out there early. Students, I think, should read them and just at some point, some some idea will bubble to the surface and they'll know that this is what I want to write about. Well, thank you for sharing so many clever ideas. I love some of those. You, I did not know about the shrimp and their eyes. So, you know, you learn something every day. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> so check it. I wonder if it's true. <laughs> we'll just assume it's true, right? But who knows? Yep. But let me ask you, a student's activity sheet is another piece of their application. What are the kinds of things you are looking beyond the work they completed in class? Students, um, we're always interested in how you use your time. You spend a lot of time in school, and you may have after-school activities, but you may also have a job or you may have responsibilities at home. We're interested in all of it. We all have a certain amount of time. How did you use yours? We are uh, pretty savvy if we all of a sudden see that 12th grade, you signed up for 10 clubs and you've never been in a club, that's not going to help your application. You know, we're looking for real interest. We always say, uh, you know, it's quality over quantity. So I'd rather see someone who's passionate about soccer or, you know, art or, or playing the tuba or whatever it is. And, and you don't have to have a million things. Not every student needs to be the chess playing bilingual quarterback who also plays the trumpet or whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're looking for to, to create a, a campus filled with all kinds of different people who have different strengths and different interests. So, but it's it's kind of a good proxy. If you do something in high school, you're probably gonna do it. You know, in college, we have 200 clubs and organizations. We want people to be in them. At Oswego, we have 24 Division Three varsity sports. We want people on those teams. We want people in debate club. We want people doing all this. So when we see what you do in high school, uh, it's it's important to us and it is you know it can can be something that it that interests us in you based on on what you do so there are 10 spots on the common app for some people that's plenty for other people it's not enough obviously doing relay for life one day is different from your job you go to every, you know four times a week uh so put them in order of importance but you can always attach a resume or activity sheet uh and sometimes students forget to include things that they do outside of school uh, you know, because they have to take care of a grandparent or get their younger siblings off the bus. So, but, you know, that might not be a job that you get paid for, but it's a job and I'm sure you'd rather be in a club. Uh, and I know, you know, one of the great things about college is, you know, if you're an, an athlete in high school, you can't be in clubs, right? If you're a three sport, because they, they meet at the same time. Good news, college, you're there 24 seven. If you go away to school, there's no, or you can, you can do it all. So for some students, and I think this is important. In COVID, there were a lot of people who had great activities that got canceled and they were disappointed. So what do you do with that? Well, tell us what you were going to do 
because that's interesting and impressive. You, you got that internship. Wow. Uh, too bad it got canceled. But then what did you do? So I was interested in last year to see the students who, who said, well, you know, I built a computer. I uh, helped my elderly neighbor walk her dog. I learned another language on Duolingo. That shows kind of inner resources and someone who took a bad situation and, and turned it into something positive. You know, that's great advice. And you mentioned student athletes a couple of times in your answer, which is a great segue to my next question, which is, what about students aspiring to play sports in college? What advice do you have for prospective student athletes in terms of making their intentions to play known? So athletics are a big part of, of lots of campuses. Uh, I mentioned we have D3 sport. I played in college. I think I never thought I'd be able to, but I did. Uh, two of my sons played. One of them Great. went through the whole recruiting process. So the first thing, and depending on the level you want to play, you know, you have to be really familiar, of course, with the NCAA rules. And so every guidance office has that link. Pay attention to it. Athletes actually do need to take at certain levels the, a standardized test, right? So you don't want to be out of the running because you didn't understand the rules. There are blackout periods for D1 and D2 where you can't reach out to coaches. Uh, but as we go D3, so I'll focus on D3. You can reach out to our coaches anytime. We have recruit questionnaires, and I don't think that's unusual. Most schools do. So if you go um, to Oswego's website, and you'll see there's a recruit sheet for you know women's tennis and men's swimming and diving. And so you would fill that out, and it has your statistics and some information about you, and the coach gets that. And so that's one way that any anyone who's interested. So coaches do recruit even at the Division three level. Sure. We recruit. We just are not allowed to give money for athletics. Uh, we give money, you know, merit scholarships based on, on academic performance. And so, but, you know, so but we do recruit. And, and uh, but at D3, there's also walk-on tries. As I said, I didn't think I'd play, but then I saw the tryouts and I ended up making, and I played volleyball all four years. And it was great. And I think it's a great thing on your resume. And I think it's something that, um, again, in college, you all of a sudden have you have lots of time. I would say, you know, you're in in high school. By the time Tuesday's done, they've been in class at Science High School for more than fifteen hours, right? Yes. Well, in college, an entire week, you probably have fifteen hours of class. Right. So think of that time and what you can do with it. So for a lot of students, the athletics are really important. Reach out to coaches. They are often very busy. If you send an email the day before the, the playoff game, you, you are not hearing back. <laughs> and you may need to send the email a couple of times. I was, I'd say I've heard athletic directors say, you know, be persistent. Um, I, sadly, there are way more people who want to play sports in college than there are spots. You know, for us, we have very competitive ice hockey and there are a lot more people who, who are hoping. But we also have a great club team. So there are, you know, there, there are options. They're just, well, it's like high school. I'm sure it's the same way. Yeah, there's many options. And that's uh, great advice, again, in terms of going to the website and filling out related materials. I also want to mention that all of those materials, Kate, we could put them into the show notes. Anything that you want to include from the admissions office, athletics, uh, financial aid information, great. anything that you can provide, I'll gladly put them in the show notes for people to see later on if they wish to see them. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I know also athletes from my, often have their highlight reel that they send, you know, depending on the sport, yes. you might have that and and also share their their game schedule with coaches so that if they're, they're on the road, they may be able to see them. Yes, of course. And thank you so much for adding that. 
So my last question is going to be, what are the three top pieces of advice you would give a student and their parents who are getting ready for the college process? So I may have four pieces of advice. I think number one (laughs) is to cast a wide net. There are so many great colleges out there. I find a lot of uh, students on Long Island are, are kind of have blinders on that they'll they'll all apply to certain schools and and think about it though if, if everyone from Syosset applies to UVM are they all getting in? No, they're not going to do that. I, I tell this story a lot, but uh, when I worked at Columbia Law School, uh, every year we had more applicants from Harvard who would graduate from Harvard than we had spaces in our entering class. We had a class of 380, we'd get, you know, 550 applications from heart. Were they all getting in? No. Were they qualified? Pretty much. So, you know, think about, you know, not that you're competing with your classmates, but, you know, if you find some sort of cool, interesting school that maybe other people haven't really thought about, and and you're applying from Syosset, then you may be, you know, they're not maybe getting so many applications at UNH. So everyone's applying to UVM, but UNH is right in the state next door. So, so you know, just give it a shot when you're at a college fair and you see a table and someone's standing there, they're, they're hoping there might be a perfect fit. So, you know, give it a shot. Like, look at those. You might get emails that have free applications. You don't want to apply to 30 schools, but you might throw in a couple that, that kind of pique your interest. So cast a wide net. Uh, I wouldn't worry, and don't worry about cost too much in the beginning because you really don't know uh, what it's going to, cost you in until the the really the end of the process so uh that would be one thing most important i think is to trust your gut i think there's a lot of um there's that kind of like ooh the bumper sticker and like this is a good school or this oh you know i get a lot of like oh but oh, i don't want to go to a suny and i'm like why not like you are so lucky to live in a state that has this awesome system that's so affordable and there really is a suny for everyone um you know we have a fantastic honors program you can challenge yourself you can you know, end up at that big Ivy League school for, for your master's, um, you know, give, give Sunni a shot. But, but, you know, so trust your gut. It's not what your your friend says, like, your friend might love a school. It may not be the right school for, for you. So when, you know, visit if you can, um, you know, before you make a decision, uh, you will know. And when I brought my sons, there were times they said, Mom, don't even stop the car. I'm not going here. And I would think, how do you know? Well, you know what? They knew. And I think you have to trust that. If you get on campus and you have this sense, I can see myself here, this can be your home for four years, I would I would trust that. And I wouldn't pay attention to all that noise out there. And I know there is so much noise surrounding the college admissions process. So, you know, you really are the expert in knowing what is the right school for you. And lastly, try to have fun with this. You know, it's really, when you break it down, it's not that bad. These these road trips you may take could be really special times. So learning about this, uh, figuring out that great that college fit, it is really exciting. I mean, don't, doesn't everyone always say the college is the best four years of your of your life? Um, so in, enjoy the selection process, um, and and yes, try to try to have some fun with it. Well, Kate, those are great pieces of advice. I truly can't thank you enough for all of your input and your advice today. We truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend. 
And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.